Fun? How are you guys doing? Uh, it is a joy to be back with you. I know I was back last week, um, but to be back here, what I call in the pocket, um, to give God's word uh, to you and to be blown away by what God is up to. Um, Jonah's right. We are in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians titled Messy Grace. Uh, and we're looking at how uh, this particular church in Corinth, right, the city of Corinth, was incredibly messy. Uh, things were messed up. They were doing things that they shouldn't. And, uh, and yet Paul comes in with the, the gospel. He comes in with this message of grace and tells them, listen, uh, that there's nothing that you can do or that's been done to you that will separate you from the love of God. And so it doesn't matter how messy you are, God's grace will continue to be lavishly poured out over you and that you can always come back to him to receive mercy, to receive forgiveness, and to receive love. Uh, and so that's kind of been the theme as we've navigated through this book. Uh, and so I get the privilege of continuing uh, back up in the book of First Corinthians. We're going to be looking at chapter 3 uh, this morning. And so if you have your Bible, you can meet me in First Corinthians chapter 3. First um, Corinthians chapter 3. And so what Paul does here, just to kind of set the the stage to set the tone is he, he now transitions to, to now talking to the leaders. He begins to address the leaders. But now, I don't want you to sit here and think to yourself, okay, that's got nothing to do with me because maybe I don't have a position of leadership here at the church. No, no, no. I want you to hear these words because they're meant for the church at large. That everybody in the church, if you have crossed the line of faith, if you call yourself a Christian, even though you're not a leader, that these words are for you as well. And so I don't want you to check out. I want you to continue to kind of walk with us. And, and he, he does this, or he's talking to the leaders for the next, you know, few chapters. And so the next couple of sermons that we're going to be engaging in are addressed to the leaders. And so I want you to hear that theme, that recurring theme over and over again. But don't check out if you're not a leader. That this, this message is for you as well. If I was to title this morning's sermon, I would simply call it leaders, be careful. Leaders, be careful. All right. And so I'm going to read from God's word. Uh, You can follow up on the screen as well. Uh, And then I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you. I ask that you pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this very morning. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1, hear these words of our father. But I, Brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I feed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Just so far. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's active. Uh, that it, continue, it continues to work, it continues to transform the individual lives of people. And so I'm asking for that same power to be here this morning, uh, that you would meet us where we are, uh, that you would remind us of our desperate need for you. Would your gospel shine its light in the areas of darkness in our lives? Father, we want to see you for who you are. And so I pray against any distractions here this morning. And so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us know, say, and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Father, you are our Redeemer. You are our King. Would you have your way in this place this morning? In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful, beautiful name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to start at verse 5, okay? Because a couple of weeks ago, Bonza, uh, when he preached, he was talking about how uh, that the church needs to be unified. And, and what was happening in Corinth is that people were going, hey, listen, I follow Paul. And some were going, I follow Apollos. And, and some were going, I, fo- I follow Cephas, right? And so they were, they were saying, listen, I'm, I, I follow this person. And so therefore, I'm going to believe everything that they say. And if someone else shows up and they want to say something, well, we're just going to boo them. We're not going to give them a voice. We're not going to listen to them. And so it was creating division within the church. And so Paul comes in and he says, listen, guys, the, the God is not about division. He is not about division. In fact, God's spirit unifies. And so Paul picks up on that again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1 to 4. We can say maybe 5 as well. So, so I'm not going to preach on it because if you want to hear more about that, I would encourage you to go download the message that Bonza so brilliantly preached. And so I'm going to pick up the story at verse 5. But I, I'm saying all of this just to give context, to let you know that, that Paul, Paul is, is starting where, where he ended talking about division that many of you have chosen all these other individuals and you have created division within the church. And so verse 5, this is what Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? I, I love the fact that that's how he asks the question. He doesn't say who's Apollos or who is Paul. He says what is Apollos? What is Paul? What am I? See here, he's, he's talking to function. He's speaking directly at their function, at their purpose. He says, what are we? I'm glad you asked. Servants. Servants. See, if we were that kind of church, I'd have you at this very moment go, turn to your neighbor and say, servants. But I've come to understand that we're not that kind of church. No matter how much I pray and hope and plead to the Lord, 
But I would do that because I, I want you to know that this is kind of going to be the recurring theme. When Paul talks about himself, when he talks about the leaders, he's going, guys, I want you to know that you're servants. You're just servants. Servants of the kingdom of God. Servants to the church. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. Now, I, I love the fact that he uses the preposition through. Some of y'all are sitting here going, preposition? What, what is that? I knew Mama Trick was going to get me somewhere. He doesn't use in. He says through. Through. Through whom you believed. What Paul is saying here is like, listen guys, I don't want you guys to believe in us the way that you, be, you should believe in Jesus. See, when we talk about believing in Jesus, we go believing in Him, believing in Christ, believing in the Messiah. And so Paul says, listen, I, I don't want any confusion. You guys believed in Jesus through us. That we were just servants, that we were just messengers. It's like a, a, a wire. A wire is just a wire. It's insignificant, to be honest. But it's only when we have electricity run through it that then that wire has purpose. But we don't praise the wire. We talk about the electricity. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's going, hey, church, church, before you guys start putting us on a pedestal, you need to know that you need to be fixing your eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, and that is Jesus. And so it's only when we have supernatural power running through us that you are to, to listen to us. But it's because of that power that runs through us. It's because of the gospel. And so he says, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. The Lord assigned. Guys, we're going to go literally line by line and almost word by word. One, because this is so good. There's so, so much golden nuggets that are in here that, that I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. And so he says here that as the Lord assigned to each, that it's the Lord who appoints. It's the Lord who gives. That they didn't just wake up and go, you know what? This might be a really, really good idea. We should go from region to region and talk about Jesus. What do you think? I think that's phenomenal. I know we, we never say that, but sometimes that's how we act. When we forget that we are just a wire, that we're just servants. And so even as some of you now call rooted home and you get to tell people that I'm part of a transcultural church, sometimes, and, and I run the danger of doing this, and so I need to watch my own heart. Sometimes I'll communicate it as, like, this is what happened. I was hanging out one day, and, and then I looked over and I said, hey, Jesus, don't you think it'd be a really cool idea if we got people from all walks of life together in one place? And that they get to worship you. Like, how amazing would that be? And then, and then they, we can display to the city the power of the gospel. How, how did you not think about this, Jesus? Jesus looks to the Holy Spirit. He's like, dude, I, I don't get it. Like, we, we created everything. And not only do we create everything, but we sustain it. How did we miss this? I know it sounds ridiculous, but, but sometimes that's how we act. It's when we forget that we are just servants. That we are just servants. And it's the Lord who assigns. It's the Lord who appoints. It's the Lord who gives everything that we have. Whatever gift that you possess has been given to you by the Lord. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered. 
but God gave the growth. Some versions will go, uh, I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. Notice the conjunction that's used. Some of y'all are going, man, this place. Theology and grammar? You see, when he, when he talks about himself and Apollos, he, he will use the word and. It's almost like a tag team kind of relationship. Some of you might remember back in the good old days when it was still WWF. Hashtag make wrestling great again. Um, you'd have these tag team competitions where guys would stand outside the ring and it's like, okay, it's my turn, it's my turn. Okay, tag, you're in. That's what Paul is saying here. The relationship that exists between the leaders is like a, it's like a tag team partnership. But then he says, but, but, but God gave the growth. God is not part of this tag team partnership relationship that exists between the leaders. He's not standing outside the ring with his hands stretched out going, tag me, I want, I want in, I want in. What Paul is saying here is that, listen, God, God stands over all of this. God stands over all of this. Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Now this would have made so much sense back then, and I think it would still make a lot of sense today to those who are in the farming community, those who are in the agricultural community. Farmers, they know that, that we have to faithfully labor We have to work the ground. We have to graze. And then get that thing that like does the holes. I don't know what it's called. Because I live in the city. We don't do that. We just go to Willie's and buy the veggies. But those who are farmers, they, they know that they have to faithfully work the ground. It's hard work. But they're at it. Day in, day out. But at the end of it all, they look to the heavens. Every single one of them, they look to the heavens. And whether they're Christian or not, they wait on the rain. Because they know, it doesn't matter how hard we work, if these things are to grow, we need rain. And so Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying, listen, I I planted, and and when he talks about planting here, uh, he's referring to the, the fact that he started the church in Corinth. And so he says, listen, I I may have planted this church. Apollos comes in and he's the guy who was doing the bulk of the teaching, making sure that that those who were coming to faith were understanding the gospel and its implications. That they understood what it meant to read the Bible and to navigate through it. Then he says, but guys, don't miss it. Don't miss it. As faithful as we were, it's God who gives the growth. It is God who gives the growth. And I I love the fact that he says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Is anything. I mean, if you know a little bit about Paul, you would go, wait, but Paul, Paul, in all your your beastliness, I know that's not a word, but I gave you prepositions and conjunctions, so you can give me this. In all his beastliness, like theologically and missionally, He says, guys, in comparison to God, I'm nothing. I am nothing. 
And so church, stop, stop putting these leaders on platforms that they cannot stand on. Because it's only God who gives the growth. Verse 8, he who plants and he who waters are one. He's going, church, this division that you have now created, it shouldn't exist in the church because we are one. Paul and Apollos and Cephas and and any of the other leaders, that we are all one. He's calling for unity again, that we have one message. It may come out differently, right? When I preach, it's a, it's a different way and a different style and a different method. And when Jono's up here or when Jay or Kenny or Bonza, it's all different. But the message is the same. And so, yes, we may have some preferences. And those preferences are okay. The problem is when we turn preferences to prejudices, we're inviting the spirit of division into the room. Preferences are okay, guys. You should have them. I have them. I don't like hearing my own voice. It sounds weird. It's nasally and it's some, like sometimes I feel like my pitch goes really high and, and then I got this like whispering thing that I do. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Preferences are okay, but, but when we allow them to become prejudices, we are inviting the spirit of division into the room. And that's what was happening here in the church of Corinth. And, and that's what I see happening today. And Rooted Fellowship, I want you to know that we too run the danger of being that. A community that's like, well, who's who's preaching? Who's bringing the word today? Ooh, okay, yeah, I'm not going. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, some of y'all will invite your friends and you'll be like, dude, I'm telling you, we have a black preacher, bro. I'm telling you, like, come through. Like, he's, he's killer. He does these things. Sometimes he'll pull people from the thing and do a skit. It's crazy. It's going to be epic. And then you show up and it's Stephen preaching. And you're like, no, dude, I promise. Like, we really do have a, I think he just had a baby. The message is the same. And so Paul is saying, like, whether it's me, whether it's Apollos, whether it's Cephas, the message is the same. And so because of that, we are unified. And therefore, you should be unified. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. Now, I'll, I'll, touch that, I'll touch on that again towards the end. So let's keep going. Verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. Again, he's, he's saying the same thing just with different words because he's trying to emphasize the fact that we are unified in Christ. Ooh, that was good. I didn't even practice that. Like, that just came out. He says the same thing in different words. Because he's trying to emphasize the fact that because of what the gospel has done, we are unified. We have one message. You are God's field. Talking about the church, he says, you are God's field. Paul is emphasizing that the church belongs to God. The church doesn't belong to one individual. It doesn't belong to a denomination. It doesn't belong to a movement. No matter how amazing that network that plants churches all over the globe is, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. You are God's field. But let's double-click this. See, when Paul talks about a field, I believe what he's trying to communicate, what he's trying to put on the screen, on display, is not only that God owns the field, that the church belongs to him, but when he talks about the church being a field, he's going... 
hey, we should expect growth in the same way a farmer, when he looks to his field, expects growth. I mean, it's kind of crazy to own land, right? To own this massive piece of land that you want to farm and go, you know what, I'm actually not bothered too much about growth. It'd be weird. And so Paul is going, hey, you are God's field. And so within the church, God expects growth. He expects reproduction. He expects it, yes, in season, that there are times when we do not bear fruit, but there should be times where we bear fruit. Otherwise, there's something wrong with the land. And so it says we are God's field, and God expects growth. And he looks to the church in Corinth, and he says, Guys, I expect growth. But yet there's this messiness that exists within the church. Rooted fellowship, God expects growth. And not just numerically, right? Because I think sometimes we can focus on numbers. And not that those aren't important, but He expects spiritual growth. That if you're sitting here and you've been at Rooted for a while and you call it home and you love it and it's amazing and you talk about how Jesus has been doing phenomenal work in and through you, but yet you're the same person that you were last year then you should question, you should look at yourself in the mirror and go, listen, am I growing? Am I rooted in the gospel? But then now Paul changes illustrations. He moves from a field and now he talks about the church being a building. So I'll read verse 9 again. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God's building. This isn't the first time that we see in Scripture the church being compared to a building. And I don't want to go too much into it because we'll definitely talk about it as we navigate through 1 Corinthians. But, but let me say something real quick about a building. Something I believe that Paul is, is wanting to emphasize when he says, you are God's building. The church is God's building. See, when you think about a building, you should think closeness. You should think connectivity. Right? Closeness and, and connectivity. That the, a building has a foundation. And, and we'll see in a moment that Paul says this foundation is Jesus. It should be Jesus. And so a building has a foundation and then everything else is built upon it. But then there's uniqueness. There's creative genius in that there are bricks and there's cement. There's the pipings that go through it. The roofing. The doors, the windows. And so there's this close connectivity that exists within a building. So Paul is saying that that is the church. That is the church. You see, a a few bricks to the side and some cement over there. You you see them, but it's like, it's not really a building. They're nice to look at, but they serve no real purpose on their own. It's only when they come together together. When they come together, when there's connectivity, then now we can stand and look and be blown away by the the architecture, by God's creative genius. And so I get confused when I run into Christians who go, listen, man, I love the Lord, but I'm just not into the church thing. It's like, yeah, I I I don't go to church. 
And so I could easily be like, well, hold on, we technically don't go to church because we are the church, but that's semantics. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to go to war over that. Uh, And then they'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll quote me uh, uh, where two or more are gathered in his name. Jesus says he's there. And I'll go, yeah, that's true. It's out of context, but it's true. And I keep promising to, to... do a, a sermon series of verses that we use out of context, and that would be one of them. God has called us to community. He has uniquely designed us for community. We say this every Sunday, not because it sounds cool, and it does, but because we see it in the Scriptures. God has uniquely and beautifully designed us for community. And so when Paul says that You are God's field, God's building. He's saying to the church that we should be unified. Because when we are, that's when we display to the world the power of the gospel. But when we, no, bricks are over here, cement's over here, roofing is over there, pipes are over here. It's nice to look at for a while, but it serves no purpose. It serves no purpose. Let's keep moving. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, according to the grace of God given to me, here's Paul again acknowledging that everything that I have comes from God. Everything that I have comes from God. It has been given to me by grace. His gracious hand extended out to me. See, we live in a culture where it's about what you've done. And how you've pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. Now I'm not saying that, that hard work isn't important. It is. And we'll see it in a moment. Paul talks about it. I love the fact that every time you try to think, I'm going to outthink him. He's like, okay, next verse. But he wants you to acknowledge, before he talks about the hard work, he wants you to acknowledge that everything that you have has been given to you by God. That idea that you just came up with? Sure, you can go, is it IP it? but you've got to know that it's God who gave you the mind to have the ability to have that idea. And so he's the only one that can stand back and look at all that has been created and cry, mine. And so Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, I, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Like a skilled master builder, Builder, I laid a foundation. He calls himself a skilled master builder. Now some might look at this and go, wow, is he being arrogant? No, he's just being truthful. He's going, I have taken incredible care in the planting and establishing of this church because God's glory is at stake. I have taken incredible care. I've made sure that everything that I have taught, that I have done, that I have shared is in line with the Scriptures. I don't want to be preaching a message that has nothing to do with Jesus, but that builds me up, that gets me book deals, that gets me a platform, that gets me the TV deal. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But too often, too often, we we have stood back and we go, but... Man, that's got nothing to do with Jesus. Like where in the scriptures are they getting that? And so Paul says, I am a skilled master builder. 
I have put in the time. Just for interest, I don't know if some of you might know this, that, that Paul comes to faith, he, he crosses the line of faith, he becomes a Christian, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, and then he waits three years before he starts his public ministry. Three years before he starts his public ministry. And he's not just hanging around, but he's, he's constantly going to places, making sure that he's receiving from those who know more about him. He's being discipled. Discipled in the scriptures. Because he wants to get out there and make sure that everything that he teaches and shares is in line with the scriptures. He doesn't want to lead anyone astray. So like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Now this someone else is building upon it is in the negative. He's, he's going, listen, there, there's some, some random people who aren't skilled. They aren't skilled. And they're starting to build upon it things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And so he's warning the leaders to go, hey, listen, be careful of those outside who are trying to do that. But at the same time, he's going, church, be careful of those who are within the church and are trying to do this. Make sure that they are skilled, that they are master builders. Now, this doesn't mean that you should have a seminary degree. and doesn't mean that. It just means that you must be one who is faithful, faithful with the Word of God, always handling it with care. Folks, I, I pray regularly before I come up here. And people ask me, like, hey, do you get nervous? I'm like, no, not anymore. Because I don't care too much about what people think about me. Not completely, right? Not perfect, but not too much. But I do care about what God thinks about me when I handle His Word. And so in the week before when I prepare for this, I'm, I'm wrestling with God's word and I'm going, what does this mean? What God, what does this mean? Holy Spirit, help me. I seek counsel from those who have gone before me, those who are wiser than I am, more mature than I am. I don't just show up and go, all right, let's see. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Ezekiel 42, let's go. That is not a skilled master. That is a dangerous wolf seeking to devour God's sheep. And we ought to be careful of those. You are to be careful that you do not become one of those. And so Paul is he's warning the leaders, but he's warning the church. He says, I have, I have built this up and I was careful and I was faithful and I was trusting in the Holy Spirit. But there are those who are coming and just kind of throwing stuff on it. That has nothing to do with the scriptures. And so he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. This is a warning. Read this as a warning. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And it's kind of simple to, to, to try, figure out if someone is kind of laying something that has nothing to do with Jesus. You hear a lot of me. Sometimes you'll hear a lot of other names, and it's okay because we have heroes out there, men and women who we love and we want to quote them. And so quote them. But you should hear a lot of the Bible says, the Word of God says. That's when you know someone is going, listen, we're, we're wanting to make sure that the foundation is Jesus, that everything that we anchor ourselves in is Jesus. 
And so Paul now takes this warning and says, okay, because this is what's going to happen. There's a reason to why I'm warning you. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. And so Paul lays up two materials here. There's gold, silver, and precious stone and then there's wood, hay, and straw. And so he says some, some are building with these precious stones and some are building with hay and wood and straw. And that there's a day coming. And so when, when the Bible talks about this day, it's, it's judgment day. That there's a day where Jesus is going to return. We've just sung about it. There's a day when Jesus will come, uh, return and restore all things. And then he's going to judge the world. I know some of us hate to talk about this. But it's true and it's in the scriptures that there's a day where Jesus will return to make all things new again. And then he will judge the world. And so Paul says that it'll be like fire cutting across everything that we have done. And just like back then, see many of the the houses were, were built with these materials and whenever there was a fire, only the precious stones would remain. The wood and the hay and the straw would be burnt up, would cease to exist. And so Paul is saying, listen, that our works, for some of us, that's what it's going to be like. For those who have built on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, you are building with precious stones, that on that day, once the fire has left, whatever you have done will remain. Whatever you have done will remain. It will be there throughout eternity, that there will be a day where we will be gathered around the throne of grace. And and this isn't in the scriptures, but I I love this imagery that we will be gathered around the throne of grace and and then we'll take turns. And so one person will stand up and they'll go, this is what he did and this is what he did and this is what he did. And then we'll praise the Lord together and then they'll sit down and then the next one will stand up and go, this is what he did and this is what he did and this is what he did. And then we'll praise him that he planted rooted fellowship. And it grew, and it had an impact in the city and beyond, and people from all walks of life were coming together, hearing the message of the gospel, being transformed by it. And this is what he did, and this is what he did, and then we'll praise him. My fear is that there will be some who will remain seated because they built with hay and straw and wood. And this side of heaven, it looks really, really cool. It draws the crowds. But Paul says that there's a day coming. There's a day coming. And so Paul is asking us, what is the quality of our work? That's the question that's been asked. What is the quality of our work? Are we building so that people would praise us and love us? Or are we building to the glory of God? Maybe that's a question for you. What is the quality of your work? What is the quality of your work? Because only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last. Like precious stones, it will remain after the fire has passed through it. And so he warns the church in Corinth. But hear this, 
friends, he warns us. In preparing this message, I was thinking about rooted, and I was like, are there things that we are doing that are filled with hay and straw and wood? So that my name can be in light, so that people can talk about us. I hope not. I hope not. Because then there'll come a day when no one will know who we were. They won't even care. We should be building with precious stones. So that we might praise the one who is seated on the throne because of the work that he has done as he has assigned us. Us being servants. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Here's that reward. Paul spoke about it earlier where he says that each one will be given what, what they have labored for. Here's this reward that, that there is a reward coming for those who faithfully serve the one who is seated on the throne. Now, I would love to know what that is. I don't know. But it must be pretty amazing. It must be pretty amazing. And so Paul says that they will receive a reward. But verse 15, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Let me contextualize this. Uh, What Paul is saying is that some people are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven naked. That even the clothes on their back will be burnt up. Because it didn't count for anything. My hope, my cry, is that that would not be us. That that would not be us. Your work will be exposed. But there is coming a day. And so we are to be careful, like a a skilled master builder, we are to be careful in everything that we do. We are to constantly come back to this all the time, going, okay, is this in line with what God is saying? And to wrestle. Guys, I I invite you to wrestle with God's word. To wrestle with it because you want to know it so that you might faithfully obey it. There is coming a day where only what you have done for Christ were lost. But I'm going to close with this, with an eternal security, a gem that we find in this passage. We can quickly miss it if we don't look carefully. The eternal security that that Paul reminds the church in Corinth, that he reminds us of, especially as we're talking about, gosh, there's things that are going to be burnt up. Like this is is scary talk here. Are you saying that some people are are going to enter into heaven just barely having made it because everything that they had built had nothing to do with Jesus? But then he reminds them of the eternal security that is found in the gospel. And so look again with me at verse 15. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Though he himself will be saved. This is eternal security. And, and so this should allow us to, to, to be okay, to, as the scriptures say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to go, you know what, I, I've got to be careful about what I'm doing for the Lord and for his kingdom, but at the same time to sit in the security that I am his. 
that I may miss it every now and then, but there is grace for me because I am His. That I'm not always going to get it right, but, but there is grace for me because I am His. And so knowing that there's nothing that you can do or that's been done to you that will separate you from the love of Christ. Yes, here Paul's talking about the works that we do in Christ. But you, you who have crossed the line of faith, can anchor yourself in the gospel. Because he says, once I've saved you, I've saved you. And so that should almost cause us to go, when I do fail, and notice the word when. When. When I do fail, I can come back to the throne of grace. That I can boldly approach him. His arms will always be extended towards me. That we serve a God who initiates. Left to our own, we would never initiate. But he initiates. And so even in this warning, Paul provides security. He gives security. And he says, we serve a God who is gracious. And so, Father, I, we come now and, and, and we ask that you would do the work that only you can do. Where there is brokenness, would you restore? Where there is hurt and guilt and shame, would you bring peace and comfort? Uh, may we know that our identity is only found in you. And so even as we take of the bread and of the juice or the wine, nothing magical about these things. It's just everyday bread and everyday wine but it's what they point us to that is beautiful. The one who was slain for us. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in your beautiful name. We ask of all of this. Amen.